Welcome back to another episode of Authentic Influence. I'm your host, Adam Connor. On today's show, we get into the topic of personalization in jewelry. More on that in just a second. If you're brand new to the show, welcome. I hope you stick around. It's a show about how some of the most interesting, exciting brands out there today are mobilizing their masses to become more authentic. And for today's organization, the best accessory is a smile. And we'll get back to that in just a second. I'm on with Bobble Bar and their co-founder, Daniela Yakubovsky. Now, Daniela has been part of this organization as its co-founder for 10 years, has a really interesting story of how she got there, and as such, has seen the way in which social commerce has evolved over the past decade. And she took some counterintuitive turns to build Bobble Bar into what it is today. And as mentioned at the very top of this, personalization has become super important as a part of that. So we get into that topic, as well as talk a little bit about what the pandemic is doing in the era of changing shopping behaviors and trends. And then of course, towards the end, as always, we learn from Daniela directly about how to build more authentic relationships and more authentic brands. It was a fantastic conversation. I loved having it and I'm sure you will love listening to it. So I'll back off right now and let you hear it. So without further ado, here's today's podcast with From Bobble Bar, Daniela Yakubovsky. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. I am here with Bobble Bar and specifically with their co-founder, Daniela Yakubovsky. Daniela, thank you so much for coming on the show. How are you doing? Hi there. I'm great. How are you? Doing very well. I'm so glad to talk with you. I want to learn a lot about why you founded this organization, what's been going on, especially in the current context, and of course, learn about uh, the stories of, of your wearers all in between. Let's just start at the very top by a brief description of what Bubble Bar is, and also what, why did you why did you found it? Because there's a, it seems that you did a shift of industries as well as a shift of of employment, of working for somebody to starting your own business and. Uh, I wonder if there's a moment there that that triggered the change. And I know it's a lot, but I just kind of want to get an idea of the founding story and what you're all about today. Of course. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and and tell a little bit of our story. Um, For those who aren't familiar with our brand, Bobble Bar is a jewelry and accessories company that designs products that help our community experiment with fashion and personal style. Um, We are sold online on bobblebar.com and can also be found in over 200 retailers in 17 different countries. In addition to our core brand, which is Bobble Bar, we also have a sister line called Sugar Fix by Bobble Bar that's exclusively available at Target. So then you came to found this uh, organization, a brand, about 10 years ago. And before that, we're involved in sort of in in financials. I, I had seen a couple of things prior to your MBA. I'm curious... What uh, was it? Something that happened at HBS that made you think about this? What? Wh- why? I'm guessing. I'll, let me. Let's get to the why for yeah. a second. <laughs> yeah, we have sort of a, a fun and interesting um, founding story and, and also uh, partnership. So my co-founder Amy and I have known one another for um, more years than I'm going to p- put in writing here. All right. Um, but we actually initially met in our first jobs out of college in investment banking. Um, so we were in investment banking training together at UBS and someone said, you guys have the same birthday, you should throw a party together. Um, and we did, and it was epic and we've been best friends ever since. Um, you know, Amy and I had both spent about four years working in finance, both in, in investment banking and then in private equity before ultimately applying to and going to business school. 
we happened to end up um, at the same business school, same year, same everything. And it was, you know, it was actually really, really wonderful to be starting a new experience like that with, you know, a trusted best friend that you could really share that experience with. Um, When we were in banking, actually, we had developed a little bit of a habit where in the middle of the day when we were waiting for, you know, more work or book comments, we would usually escape to Saks Fifth Avenue, which was a block and a half away from our office at that time. And we would go shoe shopping. And it was just kind of like our little, you know, escape break in the middle of the day when you needed a pause. Um, And, you know, that's a habit that, that, we continued to do together. Um, So if you fast forward um, to business school several years later, the summer between our first and second year in school, we were in New York and doing internships and we decided to meet up at Saks and and go shoe shopping. Um, And we were on the shoe floor and we were just having a really organic conversation about how much we loved accessories as a really great way to play with style, experiment with fashion, try something new. Um, But we felt like there wasn't really a brand out there, specifically in the fashion jewelry space, that was meeting our needs in terms of having really, really incredible design, great quality, um, but all at at a very easy price point. You know, at that time, we felt that there were a lot of folks who were delivering great, great quality at a very high end price point and then so, so quality at a, at a lower end price point. Um, and we really hadn't found a brand that, that, that nailed it um, for us as consumers. And we really decided that we wanted to start this company as two fans of the category and as two people who really loved to shop for fashion jewelry. So that's kind of how we got started. Interesting. So a, a longtime friend, that's really serendipitous as well, that you happen to end up at the same school. And so all of these experiences you, sh- you share together, but ultimately what led to founding this business was the experiences that you had outside of those shared frameworks, which I find really interesting. And isn't that often the way that it happens where, uh, you know, events of, of, of recreation or of just a passions or, or of interests end up becoming real business ideas. So that's that's fantastic. I'm I'm reminded of well recently on this show we had a, a gentleman by the name of Hendrik Wordle and he founded Bark uh, which has Barkbox and a number yeah. of other brands beneath it and he told me the story about how he founded uh, his organization after a conversation with a friend on a cruise ship. You know, <laughs> so, stuff which is completely outside of uh, of what they eventually ended up doing. So I love yeah. hearing those stories. Thank thank you for sharing that. And and now you you so you started that organization and you are now 10 years on into it. And in that time, so much has changed online generally, but in the way in which commerce works, especially in the way that brands proliferate uh, digitally, so many things have changed as you're doubtless aware of. Social as a commerce channel, which is even today, I would say in 2020, it's accelerated even even more so than in years prior. Uh, The use of direct to consumer as a model to disrupt legacy players, influencers as a way of drumming up buzz and of creating better relationships and use as a sales channel as well. All of this has happened since the founding and inception of Bobble Bar. And I'm curious through that, what principles you've kept central to the brand to negotiate the ebbs and the flows, not only of the industry, but also of those changing business tactics? Yeah, Um, I think it's a a great question and certainly one that everyone who's, you know, working in similar spaces or or building brands is, is constantly grappling with. 
I think what really helped is, you know, Amy and I really founded the company from the perspective, as you noted, of, of two consumers. Um, we were really outsiders in the industry. We didn't really um, have a lot of experience in this specific industry. We just knew that we loved the product and we knew what we wanted to see as, you know, excited customers. Um, and that's something that we've really applied to every single thing that we do is really being thoughtful and careful about what is the experience, what is the product, what is the design that, that the end customer is really, really looking for, and what's ultimately going to delight that person. Um, so we've always taken a very customer-centric approach to every single thing that we do. Um, and I think that it's allowed us to not only question a lot of things that I think somebody who maybe grew up in an industry would just take as, um, as fact or as, you know, something that's just, this is how it's done, which is I think common when you grow up in an industry. Um, but it also allowed us to really spend a lot of time, um, putting the customer first, not only in terms of our own personal opinions, but really seeking out, um, advice and feedback um, from actual real life customers. And I think that's something that has always been so core to every single thing that we do um, from the inception of the company all the way up to today is we really look for constant opportunities for customer feedback, whether that's in the form of um, data that we're collecting on our site that we're able to analyze or that's all the way down to, you know, more qualitative information where we're doing surveying and testing one-on-one -on -one, um, with members of our community to hear directly from them what they think. Yeah. What are some of the, the newer ways in which you've found it being really effective to have relationships with customers in that way? I mean, what, just, I'm just curious as to like, what are some of the newest cutting edge ways that, uh, that you've thought about? Yeah. So one of the things that we are thinking a lot about now, and I, I think a lot of folks are, is, you know, given folks working from home and, and spending less time socializing with others, um, we've been thinking a tremendous amount about the gifting experience on our website and how we make gifting a little bit more seamless and more special um, and more unique. Um, you know, we, we are now, we are recording this in, in June, um, and we've now just gone through a couple of months where folks have spent graduations, Mother's Day, Easter, you know, all sorts of celebrations that you would typically spend with loved ones, not with loved ones. Um, and I think that, you know, people were really, have been looking for and are continuing to look for different ways that they can surprise folks in their life that they, you know, want to make smile or want to just send something special to, to let them know that they're loved and they're thinking of them, even though they can't be with them in person. Um, so something that we had actually rolled out um, about two months ago is some of our most popular products on our site are our um, personalized or customized products. They let you um, basically design a bobble yourself. And depending on what that item is, um, there are different layers of personalization and customization. So some of our best sellers are we have this um, really fun phone case. You can pick your colors. You can pick your font. You can also pick the name or phrase or whatever set of letters you want on it. Um, we also have a bracelet, which is called our Pisa bracelet. It has a really popular gold bead around it. And then we have really fun um, designed letters and numbers and also a couple of icons 
Um, and again, you can pick the, the design or style of the bead, and then you can pick the phrase or name that goes on your bracelet. Um, and we have a, a, a several concepts sort of in that customized space that people really love. Um, and we had started getting feedback from customers saying that they love these items for gifts because it's such a personal and fun and unique item. Um, but that sometimes it's overwhelming to gift somebody a personalized item and have to design every single element yourself. So we heard from a lot of people who said, God, you know, I, I, you know, my, my niece is graduating from college. I would love to gift her one of these phone cases, but I'd love for her to be able to pick her colors and pick her fonts and pick the phrase that goes on it rather than me kind of make all those decisions for her and potentially not pick, um, you know, the ideal combination that she wants. So we had actually rolled out a set of new um, gift card tools that really allow the recipient um, to come on site and design everything themselves and to still have the fun of designing. Cause I think that's also part of the gift too, is getting to have a say in, in the final product when it comes to customization um, without taking away the fun and surprise and delightfulness of a gift. Right. I was going to ask about this a little bit because what is obvious if you go on your Instagram or, or anywhere else where, where you can see your product, the, the website itself, personalization, which is in a parallel, extremely important for brands these days. I think whether, whether you're in the jewelry space or whether you're in financial services, I mean, getting as personal and one-to-one -one as possible has become a big, big deal. Now yeah. it's prominent among your, your, your product mix. I'm curious is uh, as to over the 10 years, was it always something that was there that now you're just doing more loudly because it is taking shape as important and, or is it something that you always did from the beginning? And then also I'm curious in, in other similar ways, which other elements of overall customer experience, and you may have just mentioned a few here, have you seen change the most for the brand? So in terms of personalization and customization, I, it's definitely something that's extremely important today. Um, I think that's actually a trend that has always been at the forefront of the accessory and, and jewelry category more specifically. And that's something that always really drew Amy and I to this category from the start, because it really is, you know, it's the extra something that you put on top of your outfit to make it feel unique and to make it feel like it's really yours. And this idea of experimenting with personal style and this idea of really, you know, making something that feels like your signature outfit or your signature look through accessories is something that always spoke to us and has always been at the core of our brand. Um, I think that that can take form in a lot of different ways, not necessarily in ways that are as obvious as letting you put your name on a phone case, which is of course, you know, the, the, the clearest way to do it. But I also think that there are other ways to do that in terms of how people choose to mix and match and layer some of our different pieces together. Um, that's one area where our category again is, is quite unique from a lot of other categories. It's typically not so much about, you know, buying one piece and wearing it by itself, not always. Um, you know, it's about buying a few different things and how do you put them together and how do you build your own unique look? So I think we've done that through a couple of different initiatives on our site. Um, you know, one is really making it easy for people to build that layered look and showing people how they can really put their own spin on things. 
Um, we did want to start doing actual, you know, customized, personalized pieces pretty early. Um, so we launched those, I think about one or two years after we started. So very, very early on into, um, our, our lifetime as a brand, um, as you can imagine, it was something we wanted to do. It, it took a little bit of time to figure out logistically, um, how we were going to be able to do that. And as soon as we did, it was clear, um, that this is definitely something, this is a capability that people really love. Um, in their in their jewelry boxes. Um, so it's something that we've really expanded ever since. I think it's also been a really fun way for us to play with some of the different um, trends or styles that are particularly popular at the time. Um, so I think that, that that's been one way that we've been able to really differentiate ourselves um, within the market and really stand out as a brand, as I think that typically a lot of personalization exists in you know, very classic, traditional styles that you always want to own. And, you know, we're really known for bringing people and bringing our community fun, fresh, exciting of the moment fashion. And it was um, really exciting to us to be able to combine, you know, that thing that we were known for with this idea of customization or personalization. And I think that we really try to apply that same sense of humor and that same wink to our, our customized pieces, which we've really seen, um, you know, our community respond really positively to. Well, and who wouldn't you have something with your, with your name on or some other element of personalization is always, is always great. What well, it's one of the best accessories that you can have. Although I uh, was, uh, you know, perusing uh, your Instagram page and also saw uh, that it proudly reads that the best accessory is a smile, which of course uh, it goes to uh, speak to the experiences that the folks who have perhaps been on the receiving end of those gifts have had, but also <laughs> probably the folks giving them as well. And it's those stories, which I'm also really curious about from what we've talked about so far, it's clear that the inspiration for beginning this company from the very start were these experiences of, of shopping and, and, and doing things with each other and building relationships in that way, but also uh, just just having fun. And this is something that undoubtedly both the designers and the recipients of not only that personalized jewelry, but everything that you have to offer um, is broad. It happens all over the place. And I'm curious how you harness it. Specifically, I want to know, maybe as a starting point, some of the ways in which uh, you make sure or, or do your best to encourage uh, the buyers and wearers to, to share in the first place, to share the smile and the style. Yeah. Well, I think that, again, we're lucky in that we are in an inherently joyful category, and I think that we produce inherently joyful design. I also think that, you know, we as a team are extremely thoughtful about making sure that every single part of your experience or journey is something that makes you smile. I think that's really, really important. Um, one of the best pieces of advice we ever got um, when we were first starting was to remember you know, the purchase doesn't end when a customer clips, you know, clicks the, the checkout button. That's not when the journey ends. Um, the journey is actually substantially longer than that. And I think that we are living in a day and age where people are very excited to share the experiences that they're having, both good and both bad. Um, and I think that if you can consistently deliver an extremely positive, joyful experience, Customers are really excited to share that with their with their friends and with their families without a significant amount of prompting. 
Um, you know, we do, I think, benefit from the fact that we have a product that is visually disruptive. Um, you know, a lot of it is bright, colorful, quirky, fun, and tends to be a bit conspicuous in nature. So I think that in and of itself lends itself to sharing. And then we're also thoughtful about the other elements of the experience. You know, what does the packaging look like? What's the unboxing experience? Um, if, you know, unfortunately you had a negative experience as part of your um, receiving your product, which can happen. We work with different shipping carriers and, you know, and external parties that can sometimes not deliver the exact experience we want. What are we doing um, as a company, as a brand to make sure that ultimately we're able to turn it into a smile and turn it into a really positive experience. Um, and a lot of times we actually find that the folks that are most vocal um, in a positive way about our brand are folks who maybe to start had a somewhat rocky experience or, or didn't have the exact experience they thought that they, they would. Um, but our team so goes above and beyond to make everything right that they are, you know, blown over by that experience. So I think that, you know, we really, really focus not only on producing product that folks are excited to shop and, and bringing it to them in a delightful way, but after all of that happens, how do you continue to build a really strong, positive relationship with your community? Right, exactly. Of those wearers and of those, of those stories and of the community built as a result, any stand out in particular? Um, and, and if they do, or if they don't, how do you leverage the ground? How do you leverage the groundswell and turn it around and make it turn it into brand fuel? Yeah, I think that you know we're really fortunate that we we do have such an amazing and diverse community of folks who love to wear the brand, love to talk about the brand, love to to tag the brand. Um, and again, I think for us, we do spend a lot of time thinking about what types of designs and styles people are ultimately going to look at and think, oh my God, that's so cool. That's so different. I want to own that. I want to wear that. Um, you know, we really focus on designs that bring people joy and happiness. And I think that when you see other people um, tagging those products or wearing those products, it, it has an innate shareability to it um, that makes people want to come buy them for themselves. Right. Definitely. I agree with you there. I agree with you there. Well, let's talk about this experience, and I know you've touched about it on it a little bit, but I want to know what you've learned the most from from the current context that we're in. A lot of things have been changing during the pandemic, and shopping uh, behaviors and shopping patterns are no different. Uh, whether it was the rush to Costco to get the Clorox wipes, or what is now <laughs> something which I'm sure is 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 tiptoeing back into the experiential, tipping back into the personalized and, and ultimately trying to make meaningful connections even when you can't see somebody in person. And I'm curious, perhaps from the data that you've seen, how you perceive those changes and largely as you have now uh, taken this brand through this time so far, what you've personally learned the most from it. Yeah, I think that people are really, you know, still looking for opportunity for personal connection. You know, obviously given everything that's happened, I think it's natural for people to feel more isolated than ever. Um, and I think it's really important that brands and, and something we've been really focused on is thinking about how we keep personal connection at the forefront of everything we do. Um, we don't want experiences with us to feel like we're selling you a product or trying to get you to buy something. Um, so we spend a lot of time really thinking about the content that we're putting out across our social media channels. Um, and when we say the best accessory is a smile, we do mean it. Um, and we do want to bring a smile to your face. 
um, no matter what it is that we're doing. So we try to do that through content that resonates, through content that um, encourages our community to interact with us, interact with each other, um, have meaningful and fun conversations. You know, we also try to keep our content really optimistic and positive because I think that's something that everybody could really use right now. Um, and then, you know, lastly, and I think that this is something we're really seeing now more than ever, um, but that has always been very, very key to everything that we do as a brand, um, is I think you, you have to, as a brand, just be extremely flexible and extremely open to what your community ultimately wants you to do. Um, you know, when we were first starting uh, our company and we started online only because at the time, you know, we had not raised any money and, and that was the easiest and fastest way to, to get something up and out there. Um, and I remember in those, you know, kind of early years, it was very common for folks to say, well, if you're a D2C brand, you should really, you know, you should avoid wholesale. Um, you should avoid, you know, partnering with, with, with other retailers and you really need to just focus on owning all of the elements of your brand. And, you know, Amy and I, I remember thinking, well, gosh, that's just going to make it so much harder for, for folks to get our product. Sure. And we, we had gotten a lot of feedback um, from different customers saying, you know, I'm such a loyal fan. I love shopping with you. Um, but sometimes I wish I could get it a little faster. You know, sometimes I come on the site and I see something I love and I'm okay waiting a couple of days for it to ship to me. But sometimes I have an event that night and I wish I could just go grab a pair of earrings and, you know, have it that day and be able to wear it that night. And, and it's, it's tough to do that right now. And while we certainly could have gone the route of, you know, trying to open stores, as you could imagine, it would take an extraordinary amount of time, money and resources to open enough stores to be able to really properly service all of the different, you know, folks in our community that we're trying to service. And we decided quite early on um, that we really wanted to go the wholesale route and really wanted to be able to offer our customers that fulsome 360, you know, experience where you can, you can purchase product with us, you can purchase product with a retail partner. Um, you know, it's all the same great design and quality and style that you've, you've come to know from our brand. So we first launched wholesale um, in 2013 with Nordstrom, who is still one of our largest partners to this day. Um, and I think it's something that we, you know, really did quite differently from a lot of other people at that time that we're extremely proud of. Um, and that more importantly, I think that our community really valued um, and, and really appreciated us doing. And we, you know, consistently get feedback from, from folks that they really shop both channels very frequently based on what their needs are. Um, you know, so if you're looking for the full and complete assortment, you're going to find that on bobblebar.com. If you need something quickly, you can go to your local Nordstrom or, you know, a range of other retail partners that we, that we sell through and you can find our product there. Um, and I think that customers really appreciated that we really put the needs of the end, the end customer first. That was the reason we made that decision. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you've taken that broad and, and perhaps counterintuitive, at least at the beginning approach, because well, why wouldn't you want to get the product in front of as many people in yeah. as many capacities <laughs> as you can? You know, that seems, well, perhaps hindsight's twenty twenty in that regard to that, and maybe uh, there are plenty of players who are wishing 
that they did do that. And of course, it's it's benefited you. Uh, it's benefited you greatly. And it's allowed you to build the kind of brand today that allows these relationships to be built, whether it's done in a personalized capacity, whether it's done uh, in a sort of an everyday uh, experience through one of your retail partners. But at the end of the day, uh, making sure that that best accessory is a smile. And it leads me to ask about how to do that more. Uh, this is our round out question for the day. Listeners know what's coming up. It's our advice column where we talk to our guests about their advice to become more authentic. Now, it's very broad and it can come in the form of building better relationships. Uh, it can come uh, from such sources as a particular standout story or advice from a mentor that's just stuck or from uh, a mistake that was made or even a pitfall that was avoided. But generally speaking, uh, people who love uh, to listen to this show also love to hear these stories because they emulate the folks that appear. And so I would be remiss not to get your advice here. Again, <laughs> any top tips on just how to become more authentic as a brand, as a, as a brand leader, as a founder, as a relationship builder, as, as any of those things. Yeah. So I think the, the best piece of advice I, I could give actually is a quote that my, you know, that my husband likes to tell me often. Um, it is from an unexpected source and that is Mike Tyson. Um, and that really? quote is everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. And I really don't think more accurate words could be applied to what the market looks like today and where it is heading. Um, I think that things are changing so frequently, so quickly, um, and you really have to be open to that change. I think that when we spend a lot of time, you know, establishing really elaborate plans and, and really, you know, setting ourselves up for this is exactly how it's going to look, you're ultimately setting yourself up to get punched in the face. Um, I think you have to be super, super open um, to what the market tells you and what your community tells you. And I think more than anything, you have to be a better listener than you are a talker. Got it. Which I'm glad that I've been doing today because you've given <laughs> an awful lot of interesting things to think about. I, I am familiar with that Mike Tyson quote. I was, I was, uh, I was curious what, where that was, uh, where that was going. And, and I guess for listeners who are building brands or, or are aspiring founders like Daniela, just make sure you're doing whatever you can to, to duck those punches <laughs> and make sure that you're always, uh, staying on your feet. I've been uh, incredibly privileged to have this conversation with you, Danielle. Um, it's been great to learn about uh, what you've been doing over these last 10 years. I hope for only the best for you going forward, even through these contexts. And hey, what else can I say? Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much to Daniela Yakubovsky from Bobble Bar for joining the show today. Love that advice too. You know, I haven't heard that Mike Tyson quote used in business so much, but uh, it makes perfect sense. So great advice. And thank you. If you enjoyed this show and you want to hear more, I have got something for you. How about this times about a hundred? And you can do that via the following methods. First off, you should check out uh, the website where this all lives podcast.vavoom.co. It's where you'll see every single episode that I have done all the way back to the fall of 2018, well over a hundred now. So if you've enjoyed this roughly past half hour, get ready for like 50 hours plus more. You can also see us on LinkedIn. There's a showcase page there, Authentic Influence Podcast, and I sure hope that you follow there. Of course, you'll see all the episodes as soon as they release, but also little fun tidbits along the way. And then finally, I'm also there. Hey, Adam Connor, I got a page, I got a profile, connect with me. Make some recommendations as to what you'd like to see for the show and who you'd like to see on the show next, and I'll do my best to make it happen. 
For right now, though, I'll let you go, and I'll be back real soon with another fantastic story about how a brand is mobilizing its masses to become more authentic every day. And until then, for Authentic Influence, I've been your host, Adam Connor, and you'll hear from me again next time.